All right, guys, if it's a Tuesday in the DMV, it's got to be the DC Sports Huddle here on WTOP. I am Rob Woodfork. I am at the controls while Dave Johnson is on vacation. And of course, I'm alongside the usual cast of characters, Chris Cheon, Dave Preston, and George Wallace. And uh, guys, we are now uh, uh, smack dab in between the uh, second and third preseason games in the NFL. The Washington football team to this point has yet to score an offensive touchdown from the first team offense. So, um, you know, I, I just watched the other night uh, Jameis Winston throw two touchdown passes that were pretty, pretty good looking touchdown passes out of three drives. He had uh, Washington's first team, I believe has had eight drives so far in the preseason. Is this a cause for concern George Wallace that the first team uh, hasn't scored a touchdown yet? Um, I, you'd like to see it, but I'm not terribly concerned yet, to be honest. I mean, in the past I would have been, or I was with, you know, some of the rookie quarterbacks and Jay Gruden's offense, not scoring points, but I don't know. I just kind of feel, you know what? I kind of feel like this to me with Ron Rivera at the helm and you've got Fitzpatrick, a veteran, you've got a lot of these guys now as veterans of this offensive you know, this almost reminds me of kind of like a Joe Gibbs preseason. Like it is just you're showing absolutely nothing. Uh, you see a lot more in practice. Uh, I'm not overly concerned yet. I think once the Chargers kick off on that Sunday afternoon, I think you're going to see something different. I, I just kind of have that feeling. I, I think that they I'm not over concerned about it. I think that they have shown in practice they can move the football against a pretty good defense, mind you, at, at, against their top defense in practice. So I think they're being very vanilla right now. Uh, in these games, and I think it's uh, which you know we always just say that about Joe Gibbs' offense, right? He go one and three in the preseason, zero and four. Playboy's got him going to the Super Bowl, you know, and then all hell breaks loose, and they come out and it's a totally different thing in opening in week one. So I, I'm not concerned yet because I think you're going to see a different offense, or a, a different a different level in a couple of weeks. All right, and I'm not going to ask you why you were getting your sports news from Playboy, but uh, Christian, are you worried about why? Do you not you remember that? Does nobody <laughs> I remember, remember that? that. Uh, I do remember I'm that. Good. I do remember that. I wasn't old enough to read Playboy yet, though, but that was just me. Um, Christian, are you concerned about the uh, lack of touchdowns from the first-team offense? A little bit because I look at a top-tier organization like the Baltimore Ravens and uh, – Guess what? They win all of their preseason games. We could talk about not caring and maybe Sean McVay's way of not playing any starters at all is kind of the new age. But to me, I would like to see a little bit of foot on the gas and um, hasn't really appeared to be there. But that being said, um, I, I try to bring my high school coaching knowledge to this uh, WTOP huddle. And one of the things we did in our scrimmage and, and I don't know that this translates to the NFL. It's just, this is my experience. We did not want tape on any of the stuff we're going to do in the regular season. So we ran nine plays and that's it. And we perfected them. And I don't even know that we're going to be using them in the regular season. And maybe that's something Washington's doing. They're staying vanilla for a reason. They don't want the Chargers to see some of their exotic packages. See Fitzpatrick opening it up and throwing to the many pass catching and guys in the backfield, especially Jared Patterson, who continues to look like he's going to make this team. Um, and, and maybe that's the reason why. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about Jared Patterson coming up. I mean, he has been pretty much the face of the franchise uh, over the course of this preseason. Dave Preston, what's your take on the uh, lack of scoring on uh, first team offense? 
Rob, I think with anything that happens in August stays in August. It's almost like Vegas. And I think that when you look at how good or bad a team fares in the preseason uh, on a numbers basis, you have to take it with at least, you know, a, a, you know, a grain of salt or perhaps a pillar of salt. Am I concerned that they haven't scored the first team? Yes, I am. But am I completely worried? No, just as if the first team had put up a bunch of points in the first two games, I'd be encouraged, but I'd still be, you know what? This is the preseason. This, these games Osaka. don't count. I remember the team that went, yeah, I, oh, I remember Osaka. I remember the 2013 team that went 4-0 and and then proceeded to go 3-13 and in the regular season. I think Gibbs' last Super Bowl team went 0-4 in the preseason before being absolutely unstoppable for the first 11 weeks, lost a close game to, I think, Dallas, and then lost a, in a week 16 or 17 game to Philly where they were just playing out the string anyway. So I'm not concerned about the first-team offense. I, I am, I'm very encouraged by one aspect, though, the fact that this team has been penalized five times, five accepted penalties. They've had more than a few declined, but five penalties in the first two weeks of the preseason when Cincinnati gets flagged nine times for 55 yards last Friday, the Patriots got flagged a bunch of times in their game up in Foxborough. That, that is very encouraging because instead of looking at results, I think we look I hate to go Kirk cousins on us, but I like to see the process. I like to see the focus, the sharpness, the execution on both sides. They're not necessarily beating themselves. There was that cam Sims fumble that really sticks to you. And that if, they're able to keep that drive going. Perhaps they get a touchdown on that. Uh, the uh, issues with uh, Dustin Hopkins, we didn't see them this past Friday, but you know what? They didn't attempt to field goal longer than 40 yards. So there's that. I think you have to look at a lot of different things in the preseason. I'm encouraged by how they're playing for Ron Rivera. And also, I mean, this is going to be the dress rehearsal here. This uh, game against Baltimore, this is the third preseason game. We all know what that uh, means and uh, I think George implied that it's still going to be that dress rehearsal game even though they did shorten the preseason by one game but um, as we look ahead to this Baltimore game I mean if the first team offense goes out and I think we're all in agreement here that the Baltimore defense would be the best defense that they've seen so far in the preseason so if you're able to go out there and put let's say maybe 17 points on them in the first half then we're feeling a lot better about this offense. Am I crazy, George? Uh, well, there's a number of ways I number of ways I can answer that. Uh, oh, in regards to this, yeah, yeah, just on this. That's a different. Uh, that's a different podcast. <laughs> different, different huddle, different huddle. Um, no, I, I, I think you're right, and I think that to to your point about this being the dress rehearsal this week, all week, Ron Rivera is using it as a game week. The way they meet, the way they practice. Uh, they're going to get ready for games. You know, a lot of coaches want to have the first string come out of the locker room in the second half, go through halftime adjustments and things like that. So I still don't think you're going to see a ton of different wrinkles in this from the first team offense, but I think you should see them play, uh, you know, an extended period of time, unless he completely reverts and changes course on Saturday. If he's had a scene, what he needed to see throughout the week of practice, who knows with Ron Rivera? I mean, you, you really don't know, but, and he's good at not, not giving away much. I mean, that's that's why he's the veteran, veteran coach like that. So um, I think anything's up for grabs on uh, Saturday. But, yes, I'd like to see a couple of encouraging drives, at least, you know, sustained drives. Run the football, get down there. If you don't score a touchdown, fine. But at least put together a couple of nice drives against a very good defense, to your point. Look, 
Something's got to give, folks. 19 straight preseason wins for the Ravens. Will it be 20? I don't know. That Probably. Would be, uh, I, I mean, that's nearing a record, right? Because the 19 in a row that they've won, uh, nobody's done that since the Lombardi Packers, which is, right. um, yeah. I don't know how important that is or isn't, but I mean, it's, it's impressive nonetheless. Hey, um, if Bruce Allen were still running the Burgundy and Gold and they won 19 straight, there'd be parades, there'd be, banners, there'd be an extra trophy in Ashburn. It'd be pretty good. wearing the gold pants. <laughs> oh, you know it. Which I like at home. I like the, the, the George Allen era home uniforms, and I prefer the Gibbs away uniforms with the burgundy pants. I am actually in agreement with you on that. Uh, I think the uh, gold pants get a bad rap, but um, we could do the football fashionista segment another time. Uh, Dave, what do you need to see from the uh, from the Washington football team in this preseason finale? Well, I, I think we've seen them put a lot of plays together from time to time here and there. It'd be nice to see one sustained drive by the offense that ends in a touchdown. That would be, yeah. you know, the, the perfect situation there, whether it's the first possession, second possession, what have you. I'd like to continue to see this team not beat itself. Uh, I'd like to see the uh, a little more explosion on, on the kicking return game. I think Jared Patterson had a 37-yard kickoff return. Uh, uh, was it uh, DeAndre Carter? Is DeAndre that the, Carter. I'd like to yeah. see him continue to shine back there, returning kicks and punts, because I, I think that the special teams has not been that special, especially where the return game has been concerned for a long time, in my opinion. And it would be that would be a nice difference maker for this team. It would also be nice to see Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, take the can off things and just light, you know, just stretch the secondary like we have heard that he can uh, granted, it's August. It nice. It'd be nice to see something along those lines before we uh, start playing for real. Uh, what about you, Chris? What I'd like to see from Washington is come out and play with intensity. Really, I mean, these are key games now, um, especially being that this is the third and final one to uh, really show what we've got as far as the personnel that's going to be playing on Sundays moving forward. Now, in the second half. Um, you probably see a lot of guys out there who won't be making this team kind of showing off for other teams, really. But um, who is going to be that, you know, 51st, 52nd guy making plays out there? I mean, you have a catch across the middle and, and you're a fringe guy and you make a drop. Those are the things that get remembered and, and reasons why you get cut. So I want to see we, we know what's capable of the veterans here. We know who's going to make the team. I want to see the guys who are on the fringe actually step up and make plays and not see their their big opportunity. Because some guys will get other chances. Others, this is their final chance. Um, not squander those opportunities and play good against one of the premier teams. I mean, Rob, you were talking about the Packers with Lombardi and the Ravens. I mean, I know preseason streaks shouldn't be taken into too much uh, celebration, but these are top tier organizations again, and Washington is not there. So even if it does mean snapping the Ravens winning streak, I, th that's a good thing for this Washington franchise, something you can, can build off of, even if it is preseason. Yeah. And to your point about the uh, guys trying to make a roster, I mean, one guy who has pretty much uh, done everything that you need to do to make a roster is Jared Patterson. I mean, he has undoubtedly been sort of the face of this franchise over the course of the preseason. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that uh, basically, uh, you know, his childhood buddy, Chase Young, had to talk Ron Rivera into bringing him in 
and uh, and and all he's been is just a star in in uh, every facet of the game. I mean, as a runner, as a receiver, uh, as Dave mentioned, he had a 37 yard uh, return on a kickoff. I mean, I don't think we've had a, a, a really good kick return guy here. I mean, I don't want to go as far back as Brian Mitchell, but I mean, Andre Roberts, and even then he wasn't a Pro Bowl uh, returner here. He, he only became that once he left. So, uh, you know, if you can get a guy who can, uh, you know, be that contributor on special teams, a guy who can be, uh, you know, and they got a bunch of guys that catch the ball out of the backfield, but if you can be, uh, sort of that all-around running back. I mean, they, they find undrafted guys all the time. I mean, the the, the kid in uh, Jacksonville was was pretty dang, pretty damn good uh, over the course of last year. So, uh, I mean, we had he's going to make the roster. Does anybody have a doubt about that? No. I no? he should make the roster. Not only should he make the roster, but he should also capture the famed Babe Laufenberg trophy that I have kind of started. <laughs> and to the point where even on Twitter, uh, the Babe Laufenberg himself responded by I saying, do I get a vote? <laughs> and I, I would say, of course, and we can meet for hours on end. He's like, no, I was, nope. no, but uh, <laughs> no, he was, he, he, I got the, a, the, I got a thing. I got a, yeah, I can't, I can't, I got yeah. a, <laughs> no, the former Washington backup quarterback, the legend he's now does, uh, TV and radio in, in Dallas. He's been, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame broadcaster down there for the Cowboys, and, and, and he, he he's a very cool guy. And he could really come out and say, "Really, well, why are you doing this?" But he's a good sport, and he recognizes his place in Burgundy and Gold August excellence. But Jared Patterson's our guy. He has to really not play well in this final preseason game to lose that mantle. It's good to have somebody who's really gone after this Babe Laufenberg trophy and has captured it. So I mean, we I'm may all, have to rename yeah. it. We may have to rename it because have to rename it. too many it people we have to explain who Babe Laufenberg is. So Jared yeah. is a guy who's uh, who's got a little more cachet these days. And uh, and I'll tell you this, guys, uh, uh, Steve Dresner um, uh, reached out to Michael Silver of NFL Network and also does some of the big uh, game broadcasts in the preseason for the Washington football team. And, uh, and, and he said, look, I, I, I think that Ron Rivera and company had already, were already leaning toward putting him on the roster uh, even, even after that first preseason game. So the second preseason game really just kind of solidified in their minds what they already knew about this kid is that he's a gamer. Uh, he's everything that you're looking for in one of those uh, core performers. And um, I, I think he's already on the roster. It's just a matter of which of the veteran guys is, is going to get the short end of the stick. It's it also, for me, it's you're going to keep four running backs now because Peyton Barber's making this team. He's your short yardage guy. That's what I mean. I think that's my thought. So yeah. where do you take away? You take away from an offensive lineman, uh, you know, so it's just going to be a matter of, I think, which where they go there. He's Ron Rivera has mentioned him returning punts. want to see him get a chance doing that. He's done that. Steven Sims was released. Steven Sims, kind of a down year last year, drafted by Jay Gruden. Gandy Golden is a Ron Rivera guy. I never thought that he would be in the conversation this summer, but the way the last few weeks have played out, you're not going to give up on last year's draft pick just yet. So, But Patterson has returned punts. He's shown he can do it there. He plays special teams. So for me, it's going to be – because unless they don't go Peyton Barber. But, I mean, I think that Peyton Barber is a guy you're giving the ball to on short yardage. That's just what I could kind of gather. But – they could go another direction. It would be hard to keep a guy like Jared Patterson off the roster. I agree with everybody, and I think he's earned it. 
but it's again, it's like, where is he going to contribute? Is he going to be your returner? Is he going to be the third, fourth running back? So, and you could also argue, it's like, is he one of those guys that you need to find touches for maybe, um, and a good guy to have, because I think he's a guy that if you do cut, he's going to get picked up somewhere else as far as practice squad. Yeah. I don't think you can sneak him onto the practice. Yeah. He's made way too much of an impact. And, uh, and, and I mean, running backs uh, and, and Rivera was actually talking a little bit about this uh, after that game is that uh, across the league, they've devalued that position to the point yeah. where you can get a guy like that, like in the past, a guy like a Jared Patterson, you probably get in the middle round, if not higher. Um, now those guys go undrafted. I mean, look at uh, Antonio Gibson. I mean, that's a guy that probably would have been a first round pick 15 years ago. Now he's a third round pick and you see what he's able to do. So I think that, um, yeah, I, I think you have to make a spot for Jarrett Patterson. Otherwise, like what, what are you looking for in a player? And of course, yeah. the, uh, the, you know, and I know that this doesn't factor into uh, the decision as to whether or not to keep him, but I mean, there's a civic pride factor there. That was a big reason why I thought that Chase Young was going to be a good fit here is because uh, when you're an organization that's trying to build its reputation back up and Washington is still very much in the process of trying to do that while your owner is still presently basically suspended, um, while you're trying to build your uh, brand back up, you want to have guys that, uh, that attract fans, guys that the every man can root for and uh, Jarrett Patterson, certainly that the local kid undrafted. I mean, that, that it's the ultimate underdog story. Um, yeah, we're going to get some uh, some predictions on this team next week, guys. So we, we definitely need to get ourselves uh, uh, ready for that. Uh, Dave Preston wrote a thing about uh, the Nationals. In his, he wrote uh, a thing. He wrote a thing about the in the Nats notebook. Um this, uh, this Riley Adams kid is really starting to pan out really well, uh, Dave, and, and, and uh, you were able to delve into that a little bit more. Uh, tell the people uh, some of what you were talking about. Well, I wanna, what's nice, I guess, is that some of these prospects, some of these lower, these non-name players that the Nats traded for when they got rid of four pitchers and four position players in the final days of July. Some of them are panning out. Josiah Gray made the immediate leap to the rotation. Another guy, perhaps a future battery mate for this guy, uh, is a guy by the name of Riley Adams. He was kind of buried in Toronto's uh, system. The two guys ahead of him at the major league level were both 26 years old. He's 25. So it's even though catchers get traded, it, it was he was in this log jam up there. It, it felt like he was just going to be that third catcher on a roster where you just keep two. And this has been a, a, a fantastic situation for him. He's getting playing time. He actually had a chance to play against his former team last week and really played well. I think he uh, homered against the uh, Blue Jays when they were in D.C. Uh, and if he's a, I'm not saying that he's a guy who's going to be the future Jan Gomes of this team, but here's a piece Here's a guy who can play, maybe he's your second catcher and he can play 60 games, or maybe he's your starting catcher on a D on maybe not a championship team, but maybe on a decent team. So he's a potential building block for this roster moving forward. And granted, it's only August. I've seen a lot of prospects and summer late summer call-ups over the years. They play great. And then the next year, it, it, the name Sam Horn comes to mind for these Red Sox fans out there who was a beast 
in late 1987. And then he kind of just didn't do much for the team thereafter. So I'm not saying this guy's going to be an awesome catcher in the future, but he's a great player to watch and somebody that you can really look at and see, okay, this is, this might be a guy who could be something for this franchise. And they only gave up Brad hand to get him. And Brad hand was not playing well, not pitching well down the stretch. You can make the case that Brad Ham was one of the reasons why they had to have this fire sale at the end of July. I mean, Brad. One thing I was getting real quick, because I got to jump off here in a minute, but just before we came on here, they promoted Cade Cavalli, the top prospect from Harrisburg to Rochester. So he's making mm-hmm. his way towards the big leagues. And on that note, I got to go. Predictions next week. Can't wait. <laughs> Bye-bye. Prediction pain. That's uh, Yeah, right. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, that was a – I mean, Brad Hand helped them win more games from this uh, as a Blue Jay than he did when he was actually in a Nationals uniform. Uh, Christian, on that MLB notes, uh, you have some thoughts on uh, uh, just, uh, I guess, the World Series. Uh, The Nats aren't going to be in it. Who will? Yeah, and I want to rescind some of my criticism I had for Mike Rizzo and this Nationals front office because – I'm still a little critical. I don't think you needed to give up Trey Turner and Max Scherzer to get the Josiah Gray Hall. I mean, I, I think you could have traded Scherzer, but but tried to retain Turner. But that being said, Braves surging ahead in this division. Maybe Mike Rizzo had the you know kind of foresight to see that this Atlanta team was going to catch fire at some point. Philadelphia, I still think, needs to retool and and needs to add a couple of pieces. And and they're in a weird spot because Bryce Harper's basically in his prime. And and they're almost kind of wasting this team away. This is a team in the National League I would not want to see. I know the Giants have the best record, but the Milwaukee Brewers have arguably the best three pitchers if you're going to be facing a team, and this is just not somebody I would want to see. I mean, they've even got guys like Lorenzo Cain heating up. So I'm thinking the Brewers are going to be the NL representative because the Dodgers have some issues with their rotation and, and injuries there. Scherzer is their ace, but Clayton Kershaw, when's he coming back? And Walker Bueller's great too, but, but, but I'd rather get three solid starters as opposed to two, because when we get to the postseason, there's seven-game series. That all makes the difference. Uh, And the AL, I'm kind of taking a look at, um, here come the Yankees. I mean, they're starting to surge here a little bit. They've won uh, double-digit games in a row, so I think they've got the staff. So I think it's kind of heating up. The the better teams are starting to separate, and the dumpster fires like the Orioles are continuing to lose – I think we're setting up for a nice postseason of baseball with football coming around with Clemson, Georgia, Labor Day weekend. We're entering the best time of year in sports coming up. Fired up. I mean, weather wise, sports wise, what's better than fall? The answer right is on. nothing. No. Nothing. Uh, along the lines of what Chris said about the Orioles being a dumpster fire, it's one of those things that when you're in, when you're following a team that's in a rebuilding mode buyer beware because yes you can make trades yes you can get rid of high price veterans and yes you can build up with prospects but that's no guarantee that you're going to be good and you look at the Orioles about how they're uh, as of Tuesday one loss or one Tampa Bay win eliminates them from the American League East race and it's this is going to be the third straight year third straight full year where they would have lost 100 games and it's a shame because Baltimore is a great baseball city. It, uh, the uh, Camden Yards is a fantastic place to watch a game. 
And there was a stretch before Buck Showalter came on board where they were just, the franchise was just misfiring repeatedly. And for about five years, they were good. They played, maybe they, they, it's tough to compete with the moneyed teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox on a regular basis, but they were punching above their weight class and doing so very well. And it, it, it's unfortunate that now they're back to the crater where they were before, and they're worse now than they were before Buck Showalter came on board. And guys, I'm going to say this, uh, the Mystics are, uh, are in an interesting situation right now. Uh, we saw uh, Elena Deladon come back, and, uh, and quite frankly, she shot the ball better than the teammates that have been there yeah. uh, over the course of most of the season. Uh, but they went toe-to-toe with the defending world champions. And, uh, and, and here's the thing. I mean, I've had back issues in the past. I know how hard it is to, re- to come back from that. Yeah, and Chris knows too. So, I mean, you, you, you deal with a back. It's very unpredictable. So if she is able to sort of work her way up to being healthy um you know this is a team that's only a couple of games out of the last playoff spot so i mean if if you can get on a roll in these last 10 games uh you know maybe uh you continue to let tina charles be sort of the go-to option you have della don i mean a two-time mvp as a second option is a nice luxury to have so um so yeah so i mean if she can continue to be effective if they can uh, continue to tread water into and get to a place where they're able to get some more some of these wins, then uh, things could get really interesting. Even though they'd be a lower seed, they have a championship medal, and uh, and they've been there, done that in terms of winning a championship. So I mean, experience matters, and if they get into the tournament, they could be one of the most dangerous teams in it. So that's just my five cents. <laughs> well, hey, Rob, on that note, I think no team was hurt more by the pandemic and the last calendar year than the Washington Mystics. I'd say even more so than the Washington Nationals. Uh, the, the Mystics, they were, when, when they won the WNBA championship in the fall of 2019, they had a veteran crew, an older crew, and the pieces, the moves they made were predicated on Elena Deladon being healthy last year on the players not getting too old. And you look much like the Nationals that were the oldest team in baseball in 2019 that got two years older and with a pitching with a pitching staff that couldn't handle the shutdown and start up last year. You look at the mystics, how no Elena Deladon, she was a big part of that championship team. She would be a big part of a team this year. Good to see her back on the floor. Again, you, you talk about the you know, back injury. We've seen bad backs ruin great players uh, careers before you, you know, you think about Larry bird and others who, That's the only reason why they didn't play an extra three or four years. It's a shame if that's the case. You'd like for this team to get in gear and make a run, but an old team has gotten older in the last two years. And you you, you hate to say, oh, gosh, they're going to have to revamp and the rebuild word, but uh, you hope they can make a stretch run to get into the postseason this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back injuries, man, I, I, the WTOP softball team could have been a contender if, if my back would have held up and, uh, Chris too, man. I mean, but, uh, he was the home run hitter. So I, I, I feel like the back, uh, hurt me a hell of a lot more than it hurt Chris. All right, guys, it's been a fun edition of the DC sports huddle. They're all fun though. I mean, right. I mean, they're all fun. I hope so. <laughs> you better be. Yeah, really. I mean, if you're still watching this video, then you're having fun. Rob Woodfork here. 
uh, Chris Chion, Dave Preston, George Wallace had to run off and do a sports cast, but uh, we'll all be back next week with uh, predictions on what we expect to see from the Washington football team, what we expect to see from the college football scene coming up as that's even closer <laughs> uh, coming up and, uh, and just get a sense of what's going to be what uh, for football season, both college and professional. Uh, let's break the huddle guys. Have a good one, everybody.